Welcome to Museum Archipelago. I'm Ian Elsner. Museum Archipelago guides you through the rocky landscape of museums. Each episode is never longer than 15 minutes. So let's get started. Museums tend to be verbal spaces. There's usually a lot of words. Galleries open with walls of text. Visitors are presented with rules of do's and don'ts. And artists guide headphoned users from one place to the next, paragraph by paragraph. But there's a new series of exhibits designed to be different, designed to guide visitors as far away as possible from words. One of these is a collaboration of the Dallas Art Museum and the High Museum of Art in Atlanta. It's called Speechless. And to underline the point, it is subtitled Different by Design. Speechless has been an exhibition that merges research and aesthetics and innovative new design to explore accessibility and modes of communication in the museum setting. This is Sarah Schleining, curator of Speechless. Hello, my name is Sarah Schleining, and I am the Margot B. Perot Senior Curator of Decorative Arts and Design and the Interim Chief Curator at the Dallas Museum of Art. And I love to focus on projects that really explore ideas of how design and art can transform our everyday lives. The roots of Speechless come from Schleining's own rethinking of how to communicate without language. The idea really germinated out of something very personal for me, which is that one of my children has motor planning disability, a a neurological issue that rendered him, when he was younger, fairly speechless. And I had to sort of rethink how I communicated with him and how we as a family interacted with somebody where language wasn't the primary avenue. So it started in that idea, but I was also in my curatorial work have been really interested in issues of playscapes and interactivity and how the exposure to aesthetics and design are really great gateways to get people to to really think about how that impacts their everyday life. And so this project was a merger of these ideas. Even museums that specialize in the visual arts have a tendency to communicate verbally with their visitors. I think that that was the thing that I realized even for myself. I deal in visual culture, but the way I I communicate about it is through words and that I myself am hyper, sort of hyperverbal. All of a sudden, I had this very close proximity to somebody who wasn't interested in learning from me through language. And what I started to realize, really, because we we started using the picture exchange system, communication system, which is a series of images that you use to communicate. So you'd say, what do you want to eat? And on the sheet would be a picture of a series of different foods, and then they could point. And so it's very sort of prescriptive. And it would be Apple. And then what I started thinking was, we at museums are sitting on this vast repository of images. I mean, you could use Magritte's Apple There are so many different looks and feels and kind of different nuances to what an apple could be or these images. And and in essence, that communication is kind of a two-way thing. The project is made up of six art installations intended to foster participatory environments within a museum context and, in particular, engage the senses. We had the opportunity about a year ago to invite six design teams to come to Dallas and 
work on this project. And then we invited six specialists from the Dallas community that were scientists, but kind of both theoreticians and practitioners who specialized in fields like neuroscience and autism, dementia, communication disorders, physical therapy um, related to sensory issues, and really to think about the broader spectrum of what disability looks like and how to broaden our own perceptions of how to design for that and think through those ideas. But I think the biggest underpinning of the exhibition for me and for, for the institutions were that it was an experience that ultimately was positive and joyful so that these fully immersive interactive spaces that each design team was creating was really something that was positive and felt like it offered an opportunity to see the the greatness in the difference between us instead of um, seeing it as sort of a, a, a negative. One of the pieces by Yuri Suzuki is called Sound of the Earth Chapter 2 and features a giant, unmarked black globe. Without the context of the familiar outlines of continents, visitors instead hear sounds recorded at the part of the Earth where they place their ear against the surface of the globe. Another by Misha Khan features a garden of colorful sculptures that inflate and deflate throughout the day. The task of bringing all these installations together fell on designer and educator Lori haycock Makala. Makala was responsible for the overall graphic identity and the corresponding exhibit publication. Hi, my name is Lori haycock Makala. I'm a graphic designer and an educator, and I'm working on the book and some of the kind of related exhibition graphic identity issues for Speechless. You know, as a book designer, I deal with words also. So there's a certain irony in working on this project, but it made me really attentive to, you know, how do we use image and or language to communicate best? Like Schleining, Makala understands what it's like to communicate non-verbally. I've been a book designer and an educator and all that for years and years. And then I've, I had two brain hemorrhages and brain surgery, which really made my um, everything stop. You know, Sarah brought many of us in here because of certain personal experiences that make it so we really understand in some pretty deep way uh, or experiential way what our options are when we, you know, are left with maybe for a while I couldn't, I didn't speak or write or read or anything like that. So I had to rethink all that. So I really identified with the concept of this project from the very beginning. The six installations only thematically relate to one another, and they're introduced by the ground rules. Be curious, be thoughtful, be gentle. One of the few instances of text in the gallery. Visitors can experience the installations in any order they choose by going into rooms off the main area, which Schleining explains by invoking a sea creature. The exhibition itself will be designed kind of like an octopus is, I guess, the best way I can think to describe it. And when you go in the room, if you think of the octopus's sort of head, it is actually going to be an empty room. And that room will have some furniture and we'll have some things. And there'll be these kind of videos that are really going to be sort of short boomerang videos of each artist in their space kind of showing people what to expect, what they would use there, so that then you could understand, yes, there's six spaces, this is a little bit what I do, this might have sound, I can touch this. The, this idea that these 
these spaces are fully interactive is really um, is really different and that they are going to have to sort of unpackage them a little bit. And then the place like Lori's doing is really we wanted to make a space that was what we called kind of a de-escalation zone. And, you know, those spaces typically in museum like sensory spaces and others, which are becoming more commonplace in institutions like museum, often are off of the sort of educational space or in other places. And we wanted to put it primary in the exhibition it, we wanted it to be sort of fully accessible and not, um, you know, stigmatized is probably too hard of a word, but making it feel like it was accessible to everyone, that everybody may need the opportunity to just have a moment to take a, to sort of reboot and refresh. In that space, there will be rockers and weighted blankets. And one of our specialists deals primarily with that. So we vetted that project and, and what we wanted to use in there in that. And then the book that Lori's done, which really shows the whole creative process of each of the different designers, will be wheat pasted on one of the walls. And, and so it will both be a place for reflection for people to look at these, but also a kind of stabilizing line for people if they need to calm down or recenter. Even though the museum world has a term for visitors needing a break from galleries, it's called museum fatigue, and you can listen to a brief overview of it on episode two of this show. The causes of museum fatigue and a best practice approach remain speculative. Researcher Beverly Sorrell found that visitors typically spend less than 20 minutes in exhibits, regardless of topic and size, before becoming much more selective about what they explore. Her research supports the notion that visitors have a limited time frame, after which their interest in the gallery diminishes. And this is the reason why you can usually find at least a bench 20 minutes into a linear exhibit. But it's clear that museums can do much more. The designers of Speechless hope that their approach can contribute. The other thing that I really wanted to make sure happened in the exhibition was that you never walked from one project to another. You always go into a space and then you come back into this central sort of emptier zone so that you always have a chance to, it's almost like a palate cleanser, right? You always kind of go from one experience and then you're able to reflect and decompress and then you can move into another. We don't know how it's going to go. I mean, part of the idea of being experimental, and, and I applaud both institutions for encouraging us to go, um, really go for it, is that you don't know what's going to be successful or not. And so we are investing in doing evaluations during the project. And it's our intention to then um, sort of publish those findings at the end, because we want to understand what worked and what didn't. So much of the planning for this exhibit comes from making visitors comfortable enough to have a non-museum-like interaction within an art museum. But visitors are used to a museum context with clear text instructions. So it would be interesting to see how soon into a visit do visitors start playing and lose some level of inhibition, lose some of the museum context. I stay up at night thinking about that. I, I think it's been really interesting because even with, you know, the designers themselves, you know, it's that balance between they want to make something that's really spectacular and it's in a, an art museum and they want it to really have, you know, be elevated at, at that level. 
And at the same time, how would you interact with this as a child? And how would you change that to be more responsive to that or to think through these things and, and trying, trying to work through, you know, the best you can, but you never know. And, um, and that's what makes it both, you know, exciting and anxiety producing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just started biting my nails. <laughs> yeah. Speechless, with its visually striking rooms, is opening into a world more comfortable than ever, expressing itself non-verbally. Audio and images and animations of images are just as easy to create, modify, and share as words. Episode 14 of this show, which was an entire discussion of museum selfies from 2015, feels hopelessly outdated in 2019. Images and selfies are just how many visitors talk about the galleries they visit. Like any language, there's a continually evolving grammar in images and selfies, and one strategy is for museums to give visitors the tools of that grammar. A dictionary and a thesaurus in the form of strange shapes and colorful backgrounds. Exhibits like Speechless give visitors the tools to center nonverbal expression within a museum frame. Speechless, different by design, is now open at the Dallas Museum of Art and will be until March 22nd, 2020. After that, the same exhibit will be on display at the High Museum of Art in Atlanta. Grab your popcorn, because Museum Archipelago is going to the movies. Introducing our brand new bonus series, Archipelago at the Movies. Each episode, we dive deep into a movie about museums and try to understand what it says about the broader museum landscape. The first episode of Archipelago at the Movies, where we watch and review 2006's Night at the Museum, is already available exclusively to Club Archipelago members. Not a member yet? Join now, and you'll also get full access to the Club Archipelago bonus podcast, plus fun extras like stickers and pins. Support the show and join today at patreon.com slash museumarchipelago. This has been Museum Archipelago. You'll find a full transcript of this episode, as well as show notes and links, at museumarchipelago.com. If this is your first show, subscribe for free in your favorite podcast player. And if this isn't, leave us a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. And next time, bring a friend.